Welcome to Latitude, the show for freelancers, founders, and creators about all of the non-business parts of running a successful business. Last week, I talked with Mubashar Iqbal, better known as Mubs. He's been Product Hunt's Maker of the Year, has coded over 80 different products, and some of them have gone completely viral, getting tens of millions of views. Somewhere in there, he also has a full-time job and a family. I think alignment was really the biggest theme I saw in this interview. Alignment with the product you're building, alignment with the audience, and maybe even more importantly, just alignment with what your day-to-day life looks like. Within that larger topic of alignment, we'll look at the value of starting small, product founder fit, and then how both the actual and artificial constraints can keep you stay focused on the things you care about. So starting small was not really something I'd even planned to talk about with Mubs, but in retrospect, it's definitely something that nearly all of his projects have in common. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think the idea is is just to start small, right? Like, don't try and you know, there's, there's a number of people I know who tell me that they've been working for like a year on their on their side project or something like that, and they haven't launched yet. I, you know, I just I I have to put my hands up and say like, why? Pretty much every app he's developed started out with the most simple core features, and his most recent project is a perfect example. PodHunt is a podcast delivery platform that started out super simple, but then it's continued to grow over time. The first version was basically just the ability to create an account, submit an episode, and upvote. As it started to gain some traction, he's since gone on to add episode previews, categorization, comments, and more. It can be somewhere between challenging and impossible to match your expectations to the way something will be used once it's shared publicly. By getting more immediate feedback, you can decide whether it makes sense to change course or to double down on what you're already doing. For apps, what are the most straightforward features that will give you the best information about how people will use your product? Are there ways you can do some of that manually at first? And then for things like courses, videos, and other content, what processes can you put in place to make sure you're getting valuable feedback along the way? Something like a live webinar versus a fully completed course can provide some income earlier and still get more involvement from your audience. Starting small is definitely something that's been really challenging for me. I have a tendency to think about things for a long time and then create them mostly in silence and then share them once they're fully formed. And my user interface animation course is a perfect example. I was getting enough feedback about what topics would be useful to people, but I didn't keep those feedback loops open when I was actually creating the course. After sharing the videos from the course on YouTube, the most watched video has almost five times the amount of views as the next most popular one. I definitely missed an opportunity to create more around that particular topic. And the best way I've found to overcome this is to think about everything as an experiment. What am I testing and what's the easiest way that I can test that? So here's a quote from Seth Godin at the How Design Conference that I think really nails the value in starting small. What we need to do is say, what's the smallest, tiniest thing that I can master? And what's the scariest thing that I can do in front of the smallest number of people that can teach me how to dance with the fear? Once we get good at that, we just realize that it's not fatal. It's not intellectually realized. We've lived and that something wasn't fatal. And that idea is what's so key. Because then you can do it a little bit more. So I want to ask you, what's the smallest thing you can master and share right now? Next, I want to talk a little about product founder fit. You might have already heard about the idea of product market fit, and there's a good chance you've probably heard about product founder fit as well. But I think it's worthwhile to examine a little more deeply. It's more 
about like, am I the right person to execute this idea even, right? Like, do I have all of the skills that are needed to be able to execute this idea? Or do I know the people that I would be able to pull in to be able to execute this idea? Um, and then also, do I have the time for the idea as well? Because it could be a really good idea, but it means that you need to spend 60 hours a week on it for the next month or you know, six months or whatever it is. But if you know you're not going to have that time to be able to execute on that, um, then you know, then it could be a really fantastic idea, but it's just not something that you can execute on either. At least when I think about product founder fit, it's in the more general idea of, is this something I'm interested in right now? Is this something I'm capable of doing? But it's actually even more than that. It's taking the time to examine your goals and values and see how they align with the product and the audience. Are these the sort of people you want to be continually building for? Is this the sort of product that you care about and enjoy working on? It's also about taking the time to examine the marketing channels. How much ongoing time will need to be dedicated to that? What's the ideal size of the business? And all of these other questions. Of course, as we've already talked about, you can't predict all of this at the beginning, but it's worth revisiting regularly. Especially if you have a full-time job or lots of other responsibilities, finding the energy and motivation to work on something new can be really hard. But if you can find something that you inherently feel pulled toward, rather than having to constantly push yourself, the whole thing just becomes incrementally easier. And then if or when it does grow, it's so much easier to continue investing time and energy and resources since it's something that you already align with. For a lot of people, saying I don't have time is really just saying this isn't a priority. And while there are absolutely valid exceptions, if the product you're working on is something you enjoy, you're probably more likely to make it a priority. You're also more likely to be making a living from it. Now, there are always times when work is going to feel like work, but having that product founder fit pushes both the quality and quantity of the work that you can get done without it feeling draining. So your challenge from this section, think about the ways you're already aligned with the work you're doing. Is there anything you can change or tweak to get closer to that product founder fit? Finally, let's talk a little about using constraints and your personality to your advantage. This one is pretty related to product founder fit, but I think it's distinct enough to have its own section. It's really about leaning into the situation that you're in rather than trying to push against it. But if it's, if it's an idea that I think I can execute, I think I want to build, I normally limit myself to about two weeks and say, I need to have the MVP ready in two weeks. Um, and that's, and I think it just goes back to what you said. It's like, well, you know, what's the most important things that I need to build in those two weeks? Even if it takes me a little bit longer, I know I've already pinned down, well, this is, this is the core set of features that I know I need to build. And if it takes me three weeks, okay, it takes me three weeks, that's fine. In the actual interview, we talk about this mostly in the context of time. Since Mubs has a full-time job and a family, he's only able to work on projects a handful of hours a day. There's a big advantage to this, though. It forces him to prioritize and focus on things that actually matter. Regardless of your own personal time constraints, it's beneficial to set timelines that feel ambitious and challenging, but then remain open and flexible enough once those timelines inevitably shift. There's a balance here between something being completely open-ended and completely constrained by a two-week sprint or a daily calendar. Mubs mentioned it briefly, but I think this is the underlying goal of the book Shape Up by Ryan Singer of Basecamp. The book is targeted at helping small software teams ship meaningful work, but the principles are so much more widely applicable. By limiting yourself to a set amount of time, you're forced to think more deeply about what a potential solution looks like. And the added benefits are that you get to the solution faster and it's easier to keep the excitement level up. 
The constraints might be largely artificial, but they give you enough structure to make progress on a single focused thing. So going back to starting small, this process forces you to get a good solution out in the world rather than continuing to push for a theoretical perfect solution. This has all been specific to time constraints, but of course we all have different constraints in our lives. If you feel constrained by your lack of coding ability, what no-code tools can you use? If you do have the time but are more cash constrained, how can you build something with limited resources? Maybe that means starting with a service before building out an application. The other part of this is about using constraints as a positive. Mubs's personal challenges have very clearly influenced his work. He developed a stutter at age five when he moved to a new unfamiliar country, and it's remained part of his life since then. However, it's not something that he looks at negatively. It's something that he's actually used to push himself forward. And so here's a quote from an article he wrote about the benefits of that experience. I think I'm a better maker because of my stuttering. So much of making is breaking through mental obstacles as much as technical or business ones. The thick skin I developed from being teased as a child helps dealing with the quote, feedback you get on places like Hacker News and online in general. By changing how you look at feedback, it forces you to think more critically about where the feedback comes from. This not only makes it less emotionally charged and potentially hurtful, but it also turns it into something that can be used in developing the product. It gives you a better sense of why someone is saying something, rather than just what they're saying. Similarly, his introversion has turned into one of his most effective marketing channels. Mubs has turned making into his own version of marketing. Rather than trying to put out regular content, articles, or videos, he shares the progress that he's making on each project. By building in the open, he's able to focus more on the actual making process that he enjoys and less on traditional marketing. And this side project marketing can be done by anyone. What are the assets or output of the work you're already doing? How can you frame that in a way that other people will find valuable? So to wrap it up, here's the big alignment question I'll leave you with. What's the smallest action you can take today to move towards better product founder fit? Whether you're a founder or not, this question gets at the deeper goal of this podcast, finding ways to align your work with your life. Think about ways that your experience, background, personality, and constraints can inform your work. Before we wrap things up, I want to take just a second to talk about Podia. Podia provides all of the tools you need for online courses, downloads, and memberships. But more importantly, they believe in and support people creating those things. Podia really enables people like us to do the work we love. I'm a longtime Podia user, and I've been an advocate of theirs from well before they sponsored the show. My Podia course has directly led to thousands of email subscribers and five figures in revenue. Whether you're an expert developer or creating your first ever digital product, Podia makes it fast and easy to create something that not only looks good, but converts well, too. Creating something out of nothing is hard, but Podia makes creation a little bit easier. And they're offering a lifetime discount of 15% to listeners of the Latitude podcast. To get your discount or just learn a bit more, go to podia.com latitude, or there's a link in the show notes. Next time, I'll be chatting with Anne-Laure LeCumpf. She was previously a marketing lead at Google and has since gone on to write a book about branding for indie makers and create her own business around wellness, culture, and creativity. I really enjoyed this interview, and it's a little different from some of the others I've published so far. Rather than talking about a more broad range of topics, we go really in-depth into the concept of mind framing. This is a personal growth framework which she created through her work as an entrepreneur and neuroscience student. If you're interested in that conversation or other conversations with entrepreneurs, product people, freelancers, and creators, hit subscribe to get the upcoming interviews and these actionable breakdowns of the interviews. This is also the part of the show where I'm supposed to ask you to rate and review the podcast. 
But rather than that, I want you to send a tweet, message, email, or carrier pigeon to a friend about the one thing you learned and how you'll apply it to your business this week. You can also send your takeaway or any feedback about the podcast directly to me on Twitter at Zavzen. That's Z-A-V-Z-E-N. Links and more are in the show notes at createlatitude.com slash podcast. And I just want to remind you that you already have the tools you need to create a little more latitude in your day, your business, and your life. <laughs>